Hello. Hello. Wow. wow. Man, you really that didn't try and come into the mic. Empty. You can enter oh, in from the side. No, it's over oh, now. No. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you guys just ruined it. Dami or Malade, I'm looking at you. You really just. Yeah. Wow. But you, you know what? It really, true, it really shows a true statement to the both of us, though, doesn't Thank it? Like, yeah. You know what? We are this the true Cantabamers. Yes. Yes. You guys will be the Okay. Anyway, hi, guys, and welcome to Cantabame. I'm blessed and um, I'm really really enjoying this spring like weather what mm. happened mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have to hi guys my name is Omalade and I realized this week that I am multi-talented mm. in so many mm. ways oh. <laughs> hi guys my name is Dami and she ready Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and my name is Nisha and I am celebrating the 47 years of Bangladeshi independence what I wanted to actually ask today to Dami was did you finally sort out the US UPS UPS guy listen UPS mm -hmm. no they don't want it with me <laughs> I fixed it it is done I filed official complaints God, like honestly Hi, well done yeah. Wait, didn't you mention that in a previous show? How, oh, you weren't. Yeah. Oh, oh Malada, okay. you don't even listen to your own radio wow. show when you're not on it. Okay. So, okay. so okay. this is Canterbame, and uh, this is a show where we talk about our life experiences as BAME students here in the quaint little town of Canterbury. So, for those of you who might still not know what BAME means, it stands for Black. Asian and minority ethnic and this show aims to be a platform for those who often feel underrepresented and those of you who also want to listen to the experiences of those people so if you'd like to follow our conversation today please check out our twitter at canterbame and our instagram at canterbame and feel free to comment or at us because as we always say shadiness is encouraged and a follow is always appreciated so Ooh, today's episode, guys, uh, focuses on a very, very big topic. Um, it focuses on sexual assault and consent. And so before we go on, we do want to provide a trigger warning in relation to the subject matter that we're going to be talking about today. So um, usually on Canterbame, we do try and make sure our guests are members of the BAME community. But we felt that this was such a big topic that had so many... Um, facets that need to be reached and talked about that we are joined in the studio by a wide range of individuals so um we think that th everyone can benefit from what everyone in the studio has to offer today in the conversation so we'd like it if you guys could introduce yourselves hello my name's halima i'm president of fem sock i do maths and i also draw stuff so if you need anything hire me <laughs> <laughs> Plug yourself, hiya i'm molly and i run the we've had enough campaign Hi, I'm Lily. I'm the Women's Officer and the Vice Secretary of Respect the Know. Hi, my name's Katia, and I'm the Founder and the President of UKC Respect the Know. Wow. There's a lot, Thank there's, you. Thank there you. are a lot of powerful women in here today. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I, like love, it. I love how we're all women. It's true. Yeah. To me, that's what I want to be surrounded by powerful women. Yeah. 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 Every day. Every day. <laughs> the future is female. Hey. <laughs> I saw that on a t shirt and I liked it. You should get it on your t shirt, though. I'm, okay. I'll Make it. Uh, well, I could just put into okay. okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Also, 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 I was yeah. trying to think of the cheapest ways <laughs> to make. I was thinking good we things. could invest it into someone else's business, but okay, okay. sure. Um, so, uh, as we said, the topic of today's show is um, sexual assault, um, and also we're going to touch on consent. And a lot of this has recently come up in the news because of the prominence of the hashtag MeToo campaign. So um, we're going to go delve a little bit into the history of the campaign. So a lot of people may not know that it was actually started by Tehran 
Ilana Burke in 2006, who was American, um, African-American activist who set it up and it didn't actually gain that much um, engagement till October 2017 when the big expose was published on Harvey Weinstein and um, I think Rose McGowan or someone started to use the hashtag and then it just blew up all over Twitter and all over social media. So um, I think it's really important to that to just discuss how the Me Too campaign has actually unearthed this whole um, system of assault and um, just gen- like general sexual like uh, misconduct that is usually often ta- not talked about in small groups and then buried under the surface. And I think social media has played a big part in that, in allowing these th- things these things to be talked about in ways that they wouldn't have been done previously in the past. So um, I don't know how you guys feel about the Me Too campaign and how how impactful it's been, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Right. Shall we begin with the powerful women? Mm. Okay. Um, I think it's been extraordinary in raising awareness. Uh, Definitely. It's empowered a lot of women to come forward, a lot of women to share their stories. Also men, like... Uh, Terry Crews which was powerful to an extent that I think people can't grasp yet but I think people expect so much of it in the sense that they hope that it's just going to resolve the issue completely when I don't think it is and they just have this high hope that because the word's out it's just going to suddenly no longer be a problem when it can't just stop there it needs to go forward it needs to it needs to help not just the people that were affected, but it needs to help people around them help understand and grasp that rape and sexual assault isn't just something that happens in a dark alley with a knife Mm. to your throat. Mm. It's something that can happen between a couple, a married couple. It can happen in your own bed. So, yeah, I think that's something that the Me Too campaign has... I don't know the perfect word for it, but I guess has raised in some ways it's definitely a good starting point though like 100 percent. like even though it hasn't achieved everything like you say i completely agree i think that that this platform has allowed people just to be so much more aware of the extent of the problem and it's that awareness that encourages more movements and more and students like us to be like this is a problem and this is something that we need to solve in our smaller community so i think it it's like started something kind of really on like a grassroots level that's really important. Mm. I just want to say though that um, we, I think student, I think something that's sort of been lost is the fact that students have started this way before in America. It was started way before. Yeah. And I think these women are complete. They are definitely my heroes. They are the reasons why I started this two years ago. And it's not just because these these women that have come forward recently are in powerful positions but these students weren't and they made something out of nothing going doing their research and I think these women should also be praised. Yeah 100% like obviously the people that were kind of the people who were like charging forward before this even happened like that's incredible but I think that publicity can only be good I think that it's taking it to the next level which is obviously like what we want like the more publicity for this kind of thing the better but having said that I've definitely heard people have less than a positive view of the Me Too campaign. Like personally, I think it's incredible, and I think a lot of people do as well. But I've definitely heard people who have slightly more negative opinions on it. I know that people sometimes feel that like because 
so many people are coming forward and saying hashtag me too that there's some kind of pressure to come forward and it's almost telling survivors that they have to do something which is completely not the case and no one should ever feel pressured any certain way but I think yeah I've definitely heard like negative opinions of the campaign as well oh what kind of things have you heard I don't know I think that people some people take it as this community which I think was what it's intended to be mm. is this supportive community um, but others take it as that they're very happy in or not happy but they've decided that they want to keep it to themselves and that is what's best for them and I think that by seeing all these like inspirational women being praised um, and so much positivity people like these people are amazing for coming forward this is what we need that means that those who have chosen for them to stay silent which is completely within their right they then feel even more persecuted and as if they are less than those other women which is not the case obviously yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely um i do agree that the me too campaign has been amazing and powerful and i think one thing i've loved about it um i say love in the sense that i love what it has done for people who've come forward and been able to voice um and kind of just expose um, certain people who've committed such atrocities and such acts and I feel like I wonder if I know I've talked with people about it if a similar thing can ever happen on a campus and I know obviously there are legal things and legal proceedings but is there a version of the hashtag me too campaign that can happen like on a university campus do you guys think absolutely UKC respect the no. <laughs> yeah. I was about to just say, I mean, we have two um, campaigns here. We have two campaigns here, so respect the no and enough is enough. So these are examples of, you know, I guess a Me Too campaign, you know, so they've done protests, they've done speak, they've done talks, they've done so many things on campus already and people kind of know about you guys as well and know what you're about. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that it's, it's not in the, exactly the same as Me Too. Um, I wouldn't try and replicate exactly what the Me Too has done because Me Too is open to everybody. But as far as what we've done on campus is talking about student-specific issues and what affects us here on UKC campus and Medway as well. And we can like, address that issue with Respect the No and with my campaign, We've Had Enough. You know, students can say hashtag enough and that allows them to use their voice and their opinion to tell the university, to tell the union that they've had enough of this on their campus. So I think mm. there's kind of variations of it, but it's absolutely possible to have a really successful, powerful campaign in a much smaller community. Yeah, well, I also think that both um, campaigns are actually trying to do something rather than coming out and saying, yeah, it's happened to me too. It's more about going, yeah, and we're going to do something about it now. Mm -hmm. I do want to ask you guys, um, I'm not sure if a lot of people know what sparked the creation of uh, Respect the No and um, uh, so say that again. I said we've had enough. Oh, uh, just yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've had enough. Yeah. So for me personally, um, and this is a big thing for me to say on the radio, uh, I was sexually assaulted on my first night on campus. So that's what started my university experience. Um, so yeah, and I think, and then I saw what was going on in America and I thought I should be able to do something like that too. I think the university need to be aware of this, that this is an issue and I think they do, but they do need to realise how it affects us and the ways it affects us. And I think that's why, this is why I started what I started, to help women and men who survived. 
I think uh, for me, I'm from a slightly different angle. I think I was just suddenly hit by this huge wave of awareness about how how widespread this issue was at university and how much of a problem it was. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I was just like, this is not okay. Why is nothing being done? Why are students so scared? Why am I literally speaking to so many women that have had this experience? And it was just an endless, endless list of people who were coming up to me and being like, this happened to me as well. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I was getting scared for myself. I was scared for my friends walking home at night from venue, anything like that. And I just couldn't sit there. I just wanted to do something. And I thought about what I could do and what we could do as a student community. And whilst Respect the No have done an amazing job about with survivors and teaching like survivors to empower themselves and everything like that, what I was trying to do was come at it from a preventative and from a kind of more almost more political kind of standpoint and we're trying to change policy and we're trying to raise awareness for the fact that the university and the union cannot allow this to continue on their campus there's no excuse for it and it isn't acceptable and there is absolutely things that we can do to change it Yeah, thank you so much, guys. <laughs> very, very informative. Yeah. Um, again, guys, you're listening to at Canterbame. Sorry, you're listening to Canterbame, not at Canterbame. <laughs> but if you do want to uh, keep the conversation going on Twitter, definitely feel free to at Canterbame, and we'll be looking over the tweets and discussing them after the show because uh, this is actually recorded. If you hadn't realised. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think one thing that I really caught on to as you guys were talking was uh, the mention of the university and specifically our uni but I think you can relate this to a lot of unis in general the protocol and just general dealing of um, when complaints are made or things are brought to them um, I don't know and I believe I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone in here does has an opinion on how university specifically ours deals with these and yes I can see yes sp- please speak on it go for it um, so yeah just to start it is definitely something affecting all universities like there's a student or now graduate in Bristol that started a national campaign called Revolt Sexual Assault so it is clearly something that's going on around around the UK that how students not understanding how the university deals with this issue which is something how, how can we phrase it um, <laughs> It is an issue that sort of takes so much away from you that when you have to then go forth and fight some more, it takes a lot out of you. And I think the university don't quite understand that in the sense that you don't get that support mm. and they forget to support you. Um, it's also very unclear as to where you've got to go and how to find that information, like how a how to report who you're meant to report you to. You're meant to go to your master, you're meant to go to your tutor, are you meant to go to campus security? Or is it best to just go to the police straight away when sometimes you don't actually have, you don't you don't know, you don't have that support because as Molly pointed out earlier on, you don't always want to share your story. Mm. It's something every survivor goes through different, different ways. And I think the university need to have a clear policy, which I think they have recently done, which I think Lily would be able to expand on. No? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's cut that bit out. I mean, also, can I say, um, there, with the university, there are quite a lot of things... There are quite a lot of things um, 
that you could do if you have been sexually assaulted or you do know someone that has been sexually assaulted but the majority of things that are set up is mainly to help survivor, survivors of sexual assault so there is Nightline um, which you could call on a Friday or a Saturday that runs from 8 to 8 um, they also have an instant messenger that you can message they have an email um, at it's listening at canterbury.nightline.act.uk um, I think the instant messenger is also similar to that um, they do also have like say you have say you feel uncomfortable in somewhere like venue um, if you go to the staff and you ask for Angela they should know what to do so the staff have been trained um, to be able to like bring you aside and see what's happening um, if you need to be taken away from a certain situation or if any further action needs to be taken up um, but with the university and reporting sexual assault um, the best thing to do is actually go to your college master as daunting as that is um, but like it's it's not always that helpful mm. uh, yeah um, oh. yeah Oh, yeah, I was just going to lead on to what um, Halima said as well. Like, they, there are a lot of support services at the university, but like um, what Katia was saying, they're not as obvious or they're not like in your face. But it's a common issue with the university anyways. Most information is not out there for students, so students don't really know where to go to. But um, leading on with the master of the college, you can also um, go to the wellbeing and support service. They also have like resident support officers within accommodations as well. So you can go to them. Um, there's about four resident support officers. There isn't one for Rutherford and Tyler Court. That's just their own issue. But for Parkwood, like the bigger accommodations for Parkwood, Turing and Kings, you do have resident support officers and they're also trained as well to know what to do in these kind of situations. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to touch on that resident support officer absence in Rutherford because I don't think that's on. Mm, and yeah. I know, no. I think I know a lot of people have mentioned that that has been the decision of the college master. But mm. when you re want to report something, I'm, like Halima was saying, it can be daunting to go to someone like mm. um, the college, ma the head of the college, because if that's the head of the college. You think, oh, that's the big, well, mm. you assume that's the big guy in charge. And then you're instantly going to report to this man who's going to sit you down and listen mm. to you. I think I'd rather be more comfortable talking to another student. Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking as one of the resident support officers, I definitely um, understand that for students as well. And I, um, I think that's why it was actually established, like why the job was introduced. Because most students feel more comfortable speaking to another student rather than someone who they feel was quite older than them or is distant from the experience. Um, so as a resident support officer, a lot of students do come up to us and or email or speak to us confidentially about things that they've experienced. and. I, I mean, as a welfare officer, I will actually look into getting a residence support officer for Park and um, Parkwood. Sorry, uh, for <laughs> Rutherford and Tyler because it is needed. I've seen how useful it is while on campus, like, while doing the job. I've seen how useful it is and how good it makes students feel while living on campus, knowing that they can just easily go to an office next to their house and speak to someone. And also, we tend to have like office hours, but even outside of office hours, we, we also meet students as well. So if a student doesn't want to come to our office, we would like offer them to like meet us for a coffee or somewhere where they're most comfortable on campus to come and speak to us. So yeah, that's, that's something that I find that the university is doing well, but it's not as advertised as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, it, well, we aren't 
what the com- uh, the community action group UKC oh. Respect the No. We aren't prefer- professionally trained, but you're more than welcome to message us, and we will be able to help you and guide you in any way and shape and form that mm. is needed. We are your student community action. Um, oh, we are indeed. Wait for off-campus students. Uh, no, just for UKC. Oh. Okay, no, because I was thinking because um, there's also like um, off-campus residence support officers, but they're called student community action groups as well. But I don't know if that's actually their name, but I know they're called SCCs. Okay. Yeah, and they also well, they did the same training as us as well. But I don't, I don't know about that one. But yeah. I yeah. think that yeah. get like on that <coughs> note, getting um, welfare officers within societies is such an important step. I know mm. that I know that Clara yeah. has really been like yeah. pushing that. Um, but there's only a few societies have definitely done that, and that's great. Um, but I think the majority don't have that position, and I understand that it's hard to have one person, not necessarily anyone, really want to do that. I, I understand the difficulty, um, but I think that it's definitely a very viable option to train, mm. possibly maybe an exec member of a committee, someone who you know does care about the welfare of their committee and mm. the rest of their members. To you mm. know, send them to the training doesn't take that long, yeah. and train them in you know welfare and train them in supporting their members because i know that when i held my meetings um for my campaign so many students who were on committees for really large societies felt that they weren't well enough equipped Mm -hmm. to deal with their own members who came to them and when you have a large society you're going to have a significant amount of students coming up to you because they trust you mm-hmm. and they respect you and they think that you can help mm-hmm. and they deserve to have the training yeah. to be able to handle it well. So I think that's definitely something that we're, I'm going to definitely push for in the future. Yeah. I know that I'm um, an exec member of a society and I'm definitely going to go through the training as soon as possible so that mm-hmm. I can offer that support to my members. Yeah, I mean, leading on to what Molly said, that's definitely something that I noticed as well at the university and even within the union. Students not really really well equipped with training to deal with certain issues so like let's not even just sexual assault but like let's say that someone has been bullied they don't know exactly what to do or who to turn to and um one of the things that i even um tried to do while i was running for welfare was actually bring forward the idea of having students trained in um um edi training not just in edi training but like zero tolerance as well what's edi training equality diversity it's quality and even zero tolerance training as well, because when I was doing my training for um, resi- well, like as a resident support officer, we had um, a lot. So we had like the UNI training as well, and that's offered by the union, but not many students really know how to do it because it's part of Study Plus, and I don't think that many students do Study Plus, anyways. But um, it's offered, but students don't know about it. But what I wanted was it should be part of like society training. So normally, when people um, become presidents or social exec for a society it's just the standard leadership you know risk assessment there's not really anything to do with um zero tolerance or there's not any training to do with let's say someone's being bullied or or um, knowing about the services that the university offers so i think if they actually included this within societies then students can easily voice that out to wider community as well and uh yeah i just definitely agree with you molly yeah Yeah. i agree with that because i think I know that they the option is there, like you say, like I know it's a possibility and some people have taken that option, but I think actually, in reality, the societies and sports clubs that are really the problem, or at least part of the problem, are the ones that aren't going to take that option. Right. But they absolutely, I think they 
should it should be p- compulsory yeah, i think well, that part of their training uh, if you're going to run a society yeah. you need to be trained in this kind of thing definitely that, that's actually sorry that was definitely <laughs> something else that i wanted to have like when i wrote my manifesto to actually have it compulsory but i think there's the idea of like you're forcing students to do something rather than they have the choice and i think that's why stuff like you know you and i training it's not as compulsory or as pushed forward because they don't want to be you know overloading it on students and it shouldn't be that way students should be able to do this tr- these trainings huh students should be able to do these trainings and it should be compulsory everyone should be trained in how to know about consent or what to do in certain situations or just zero tolerance in general because it's it's i i definitely agree with you guys that it's such a problem and a lot of people are not realizing how much of a problem it is and mm. people just want to close their ears and shut their eyes away and not actually deal with it and i think the university also does that as well they have you know um courses in place but it's not actually pushed forward it just it's just to just say oh yeah we've got this yeah. rather than we've got this and students are actually using it and are doing it i yeah. think they are scared of like that yeah. idea of like forcing them yes but that's, yeah. that's just not the way it should be seen because if you take on that level of responsibility, if you choose that that's the responsibility that you want within a society of, you know, up to hundreds of people sometimes for the societies, then I think that it's not forcing you, it's part mm. of that responsibility. Yeah, I think as well within student groups or just societies in general, people, when they join societies or when they become um, committee members of societies, they don't actually realise that they do have responsibility for the people within their society. And... Um, and I think as well within even societies are not really they don't feel as a, as a community at this university and that's of a, a different problem anyways but if it felt more of a community then students would be able to confide in other students to talk about this rather than being silent and not and and you know internally deal, dealing with that not being able to speak about it yeah I yeah I think for the UNI training as well because we had a session with FEMSOP um, and they might be making it compulsory. Could I just ask what is UNI for those people who don't know? It's, um, okay. It's bystander protection. Yeah, it's by, yeah. What they basically do training um, and workshops on how to deal with sexual assault and domestic violence. So if you've been in that situation or if you have seen anyone that's in that situation, um, so yeah, if you're a bystander, basically, yeah, how, how to, to be an active bystander? Yeah, how to be an active yeah. bystander and go about it properly. Is this um, a, oh, sorry, Halima. It's right. Uh, is this something that's only offered by the university, or is this like a na- national thing, like a board or something that offers this? Uh, I think it's a yeah, university. it's the university. Yeah, is it's it the university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh, it's just the Rising oh. Sun. Yeah, it's you and I protect, and it's yeah, like you were saying, it's offered as a study plus module, so you yeah. can literally just go on and you can sign up for it, and it's a couple of weeks, every couple, a couple of sessions. Um, and they have I know that the university have they do push it to an extent but yeah like you're saying like really not enough it's really just kind of something that they can say is there for those who look for it and those who want it mm-hmm. but it's definitely not pushed as something that is necessary and you think that something that like you like everyone's been saying that um, is such sorry that has such a large impact in student life would be something that needs to be taught like it should be something that people should be the university should be pushing people to take up yeah because it's such a problem on campuses that you think the training on how to deal with it should be something that a lot of people should or want would want to know how to handle yeah and i think i know they considered um they're maybe still considering i don't know they considered like putting it out there for 
every fresher to take oh, um, great. it would be great but maybe an unrealistic first step um i think that like i was saying i think that it's really the committees and even not, not the whole committees just some member of the committee maybe the higher members of the committee mm-hmm. i just think that when you have that responsibility you have the responsibility to learn about this kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah i i definitely agree oh sorry yeah Oh yeah, I was going to say, I just definitely agree, yeah. Um, One thing that university have done though, is they've done, on another level, um, a consent workshop. So I think uh, for freshers, they had the opportunity to fill out a consent, uh, like consent quiz to just sort of see what their knowledge was and what they thought it was um, when they signed up for university. And I think that might actually become compulsory um, Mm. starting next year or the year after that that'd be amazing that'd be great although it's in my opinion it's kind of sad that you have to learn about consent under the age of 18 oh yeah yeah. is 16 that's a good point you should learn it there oh yes you're so right yeah i completely agree like why is it not something that you learn in sexual education like that's a big even in this country is not sexual education in um the uk my personal opinion is just not that great in terms of <laughs> actually teaching about consent and oh okay yeah go on lily i was gonna say i have um i do a module called reproductive health policy and uh, this morning we had a lecture on uh relationships and sex sex ed which is it's now been swapped around so it's not sexual and re- you know relationships mm. health or whatever um it's now being called relationships and sexual education because uh, they are going to mo- focus it more on consent and which is a massive achievement i think yeah because um, when I was in school and I was in sick form, I was pushing for this because I was just like, I like. First of all, my sex ed was substandard. Like all you t- heard about was that either you're going to get STIs or you're going to die. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not really like that was the sex ed, and we were just told like what can like all of them looked like and stuff, but we weren't told like <laughs> how to have sex. Like I was just like, well, I didn't know, <laughs> and like, and they don't talk about kind of um, non heteronormative like relationships and they don't talk about what a healthy relationship looks like and I think a lot of people would be kind of saved like from being in those unhealthy relationships because I think um, a lot of young women particularly go out with these people that aren't particularly nice but they don't know that that's not right because you see these on TV and you see it everywhere but if you've got somebody you trust telling you this is not right and this is how you protect yourself I think that's a good start yeah, yeah. I think it comes back to the idea of like culture, doesn't it? Yeah. It's about ingraining that in the culture at a much early age. And I agree completely. I didn't even thought about it. It should definitely be at the age of consent that they learn about it. But even so, I mean, children um, in year five, that's when you start to have um, ed- sexual education in that kind of way. And I'm not saying that you should tell, you know, year fives, oh, you know, you could get sexually assaulted. I'm not saying that at all. But if you just make it part of the curriculum and part of the culture that you're making young children aware that it's not okay and you're making them from a very early age just in their mind they're not even thinking about it they know about consent and they know what's right and what's wrong that would make the hugest difference when they got to 18 and and got set loose in university like i think honestly like the rates of sexual assault would just drop because you have these children who have just never thought any differently. I really don't think you can expect someone to come to university and then shove a consent lesson in their face and expect them to absorb it. Like you were saying, this is something that we should be be taught from early on in age because you can't be expected to 
well not well I mean I, I would hope you would know what consent is and would understand what consent is and that's something we're going to go on into after the break but you can't expect people to just instantly be given this maybe whole new idea if they've never had the discussion before and then instantly adopt it yeah okay so we're actually going to go on a short break quickly guys um, please listen to Ghosts Baby hello oh, really? we're back hi guys we're back again hi it's Blessing and Hi, Nisha. I'm a laddie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Hi, I'm a laddie. <laughs> and Dami. And Nisha. Yeah, guys, go on. Go on, do it. <laughs> do it. Do, do it. Your do name. it. I'm, I'm Molly. I'm Lily. And I'm Katia. And this is Canterbury. Okay, so we were having a really interesting discussion during the break, and I feel like I really want to continue it. Um, who was talking... Katya, you were mentioning something about how the uni... Hi. You mentioned something about how the uni seems to have a way they deal with things differently depending on the situation that a sexual sexual assault might uh, might occur under. I think it's all embedded in rape myths. So, right. again, as I previously stated, a lot of people believe that rape is in a dark alley with a knife to your throat. When it's not, there's loads and loads of things to take into account, like fight, flight and freeze. You don't always fight you don't have the ability to sometimes sometimes you're just like you're sort of taken back because you're like oh what's going on and you don't actually know what because you don't know the person opposite you you don't really know what they're capable of so your best option is to freeze that is a thing <laughs> that people do need to be aware of and I think the university forget that in some ways I know that Kent Una has been pushing it Clara has been absolutely fantastic with it there was also during um sexual abuse and assault awareness week in back in february there was a so a medway student had created this exhibition and it was all about that and that was in the library that was fantastic so yeah i think that people these rape myths need to be changed not just in the cult well in the culture but also obviously it needs to be seen on this campus mm. Mm. i mean i think one question i actually want to ask is that um do you feel like the university consults you as well as people like as someone who hears all these stories like do they actually consult you whenever they're um, making policies or decisions about these matters um i'm very lucky in the sense that ruth and clara have supported me a great amount so mm. they've and also our women's officer lily uh have helped me get onto a steering group mm. which is for this so mm -hmm. to change policy and see yep. how it can be changed and see how solutions can be found mm -hmm. so yeah i have been that lucky yeah i think i think that the union have to be clear to separate the union and the university please do because i think that the union i when i before i kind of did my research and i found out about this i think that i was i kind of merged them into one and i thought that their policies were the same policies and in actual fact, that is not the case at all. In actual fact, the union, I feel, are much more aware and willing to address the problem and they're much more willing to accept if they haven't got something quite right and they're willing to address it and try and change it. And generally, I just feel like it's much easier to communicate with them. You can, you can get to the people who can make a difference much, much easier, which I guess is what a union is for. However, the university... I have found as a student-led, student set up, we're not, we're not Kent Union run like at all. Um, I have really struggled to get any kind of support slash contact with the university. They're just so much harder to reach. And 
and, you know, these guys, you know, Catcher and Lily have been amazing in helping me and the union have been helping me as well to kind of support me and, and help push these policies and stuff like that. But just generally, the university are so much harder to get through to and they just don't feel as in touch with their student community and I know that students feel that way as well. Yeah, I know um, Halima, Nisha and I have recently been doing some research and we've found out the difference between the union and the university mm-hmm. and the fact that the university seems, in our opinion, to just want to bury or like uh, is, isn't as concerned with transparency maybe in the way that the union is because obviously the union's focus is students. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I like in the research that we'd undertaken like what i'd found really surprising was that the union can't actually deal with sexual assault like was this the union or the university the union union. um once it gets to like yeah once it gets to a specific level yeah it's like too high for the union to deal with because then it's like okay you have to think about legal stuff so it has to go to the university and like sexual assault in general is really hard um to prove yeah. yeah like there is only it is only your word basically so which is ridiculous yeah, yeah and it it can only really be be like proved if you've gone to the police and you've got like forensics and that has to be within 24 or 48 hours yeah. sometimes oh. and like and yeah. if you've been assaulted you're not gonna always think to go to the police straight away yeah. Yeah. that's really difficult you're gonna want to look after yourself first which is the most important thing to do mm-hmm. i mean that's the that's a problem with the, the criminal justice system yeah. the fact that there's too much evidence needed to prosecute with sexual assault that's just a problem at like a national level mm-hmm. um yeah i'm gonna say something that might upset a lot of people but you can also not this at the same time you can't take that you can't take the um that the perpetrator's right to a fair trial which i know sounds horrible and i feel the same way it i find it absolutely aberrant considering they've taken everything away from you but yeah they do have a right to a fair trial so there's um the burden of proof does have to have a rightful balance and also when it comes to the policies as you've previously mentioned Something that's ridiculously confu- uh, confusing at this university is the hierarchy. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Where do you even start? No, Honestly, to to when you anything. yeah, in my research for the campaign, I went to almost every single person I could get to who would know anything about it. And whilst people were extremely informed, you guys included, you know. This, the hierarchy is so confusing that no one has a clue what's going on and that's why the system's broken down because it's not cohesive, it's not simple. People don't know what to do. How can, if the people at the top don't fully understand how one message and one person can get from one place to the other, how is a student or a society or anyone meant to go through a system and feel safe, secure, supported and just like that they can actually do it? It's It's completely ridiculous and that is one of the things that was brought up time and time again to me and something I'm really going to try and focus on is this idea of communication between like the whole you know student body university and union and how that system works because right now it's not functioning correctly mm-hmm. like with the whole system I think because the main place to go to is like your college master which is like really just ridiculous um I think the university well Kent Union actually are trying to bring in a trained professional so that um, instead of just going to your college masters, they have someone. The college masters have someone to refer to, so someone who deals specifically with sexual assault, um, and like the whole thing happens through this person, basically. So, is that yeah. the sexual assault responder that they're yeah. trying mm-hmm. to bring in? Yeah, yeah, I think so. 
but also talking about how the university and the union are completely different is through the union there's been Ask for Angela there's been uh, also the zero tolerance policy if you think about that the union have brought that to Canterbury they've yeah. made it actually Canterbury have put it in their uh, they've gone to the local council that's what you call it in the British language <laughs> uh, they've gone to their local council and they've made it so that every anyone that holds a license has to be part of the zero tolerance policy yeah. which is absolutely fantastic so I think yeah the, univer- uh, the union are definitely way way more proactive maybe less than they actually want to be but they have been ridiculously proactive compared mm. to the university yeah my opinion of the union has changed drastically since I became more involved with the campaign and I did my research and I've obviously made contacts my opinion changed so drastically and I think I don't know if that says something about I don't know but I think as a just a student who didn't really know that much who was just living out her day-to-day life I didn't I didn't have much thought about what the union did and I think a lot of students were kind of angry and frustrated with the union not even necessarily the union because they are kind of their next closest port of call because they didn't feel like they were communicating effectively all the stuff that they do and so they just assumed they weren't doing anything and now having you know, kind of been brought into the circle a little bit more and had the opportunity to go to things like the zero tolerance launch and I'm able to talk to people who are in the know in the union I now see like you were saying how much they do and how amazing their work is but I do think that the students need to be more informed. I think that there's definitely still work to be done about making students informed of all the good work the union do and just bringing students into the loop so that they feel informed mm. and they feel that they have a say as well. Yeah. I think there's just so much information bombarded at them and I've been saying this for quite some time that it's just so hard to take in. Mm. There are so many things, that's so much between lectures, uh, everything going on on campus and anything you can do and also finding friends because most of the time you come here all by yourself yeah there's just so much going on that you're like ah what am i meant to do and that continues for like three years <laughs> yeah no definitely i just i do i completely agree that the, un- <coughs> the union are far more proactive and in my experience they have been so willing to get on board with anything they can do to help mm. um but there's always still work to be done. There's def- whilst it's still happening, there's definitely still work to be done. And I think that there definitely still needs to be work done between how the relationship between students and the union, how the students feel about that. And like I said before, the relationship between the union and the university definitely needs to be reformed. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I actually wanted to um, add on to that is that um, I think the reason why the union are so proactive is, for one, they represent students and the university is an organisation. Mm-hmm. So... I'm not speaking on their behalf, but from an outsider's perspective of things, I think with the union, because they represent us, they have to be our voice, and that's why they're so proactive in having all these, like, um, policies in place. But with the university, I'm not saying that they're not doing anything, but they also... I I don't want to say they also have to think about themselves, but in a way... Yeah, they just. It's I, about I, saving face. Yeah, for it's them. about saving face for them. I mean, if you they think see themselves other... as a brand, huh? they yeah. see themselves yeah, yeah. as a brand. They have to yeah, sell. Yeah, like... and to be honest, that's why. Sorry, that's why. Whenever you're looking up statistics and things like that, it just seems like. I'm, and I'm not saying this is what they're trying to do, but with the low level of statistics compared to what you hear, just amongst mm-hmm. the student population, that's why a lot of people get the idea that oh, there's just some idea to bury bury things to keep the uni on like this good to make them appear safer to make them appear like they're on a better field than they are yeah i mean it in that way because obviously there will be students there'll be prospective students looking up all these things as well i'm pretty sure there'll be prospective students looking at how safe the university is and mm-hmm. obviously if they have like 
the actual stats saying this is the amount of people that have been sexually assaulted or this is the amount of hate crimes that have been on campus, mm-hmm. they will probably feel like that's like a negative thing on them and it doesn't bring them money or it doesn't bring them, you know, students. And students, at the end of the day, we're all like, we're all, um, what's it called? Yeah, we're all pretty much, we're worth money anyways. So I think I, I don't want to say that the university is like a money hungry institution, but they do have to also think about like, you know, how to get their money. Yeah, they are a brand and yeah. they have to sell themselves. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the university will not be successful. And that is their first thought. And whilst yeah. it's, it's easy to understand that, I get that. If I was running the university, I'd probably think in the same way. Mm. However, it doesn't actually, you have to put, you have to kind of, realize what's important Mm. and whilst obviously the success of our university which we love is really important the safety of our students and the safety of just people has to be first and foremost the most important thing surely definitely i think something that needs to be said is that i'd rather be at a university that acknowledges that sexual assault and rape is a problem Mm -hmm. and is advertising that they're doing something about it Mm -hmm. rather than be completely silent about it and just throw it under the rug. Mm. This happens on every single campus in the UK. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if it affects the numbers of one, it would affect the numbers of all of them. Yeah. It happens everywhere. Like you would be very, very silly and very naive to think it didn't. Yeah, Cambridge University, who obviously like an amazing university, front running university, they released their report on sexual assault <coughs> and the statistics about how much sexual assault went on on their campuses. Mm-hmm and then what they were going to do to combat that. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a really huge step for you know, a Russell Group University like Cambridge to do. The support they got was huge. The reception was like very positive. People were just pleased that a university like Cambridge had stepped out from the shadows and admitted that it was a problem. And I think that if that doesn't say to our university that that's the way forward, then I don't know what will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just thinking if every university decided to come out and be completely transparent, like you guys were saying, I don't think that no anyone would chastise them for that no because if you decided to be completely honest about the numbers of reported incidents and reported i think every like you guys were saying no one's naive everyone's realistic and they're aware these things go on so no one would instantly be like oh we can't go here anymore yeah yeah um just to add on to all of this like in terms of the transparent the lack of transparency within the university there was a article published um by the kentish gazette and this was in la- this happened last June. Uh, this was an article that was released last June, and the headline is "One Rape Victim Every Week." So one rape a week is reported to police in Canterbury, according to figures uncovered by Kentish Gazette. So this is a period between like December two thousand fourteen and December two thousand sixteen, where it might not necessarily it it didn't cover just the campus, but just Canterbury across, and that in itself is like you don't see the university talking about topics like this where it's kind of like this is this is a huge issue mm-hmm. like one is enough to say that this is an issue but to have a number like that to say 103 has happened over an entire year it like brings into question and you know the idea of having cambridge release a statistic report and then showing what they were going to do it adds it should add pressure and i don't understand why Kent hasn't hasn't done it yet yes yeah, it's part of kind of what i wanted to do with the campaign because after speaking to people it's you know i was basically told that university are risk averse they do not want to be you know bad press right they do not want to be in the papers next to the word sexual assault in any kind of negative way as their brand 
Um, however, by doing something like what I'm doing with a campaign, and more people need to do it, they make noise and they basically force Kent University to be in the media next to the word sexual assault without their decision, and that's going to be obviously in a negative like they're protesting them, then that's basically going to almost force their hand that they're going to want to put themselves in the media in a positive way. Right. They're going to want to step in, they want to be like, actually, no, 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 we're doing all this really amazing stuff and take the kind of kind of stance that Cambridge did. Mm. So that's kind of was kind of part of the ideas. You're kind of trying to push them to do that kind of action because we're putting them in the media no matter what. Yeah, I'm going to throw... Sorry, oh, sorry, I'm just going to throw a little shade your way, Molly. I've <laughs> done that. They haven't done anything since. Yeah, I I've think, been no, on BBC. I've done it. Nothing's... I know, but I think you have to keep trying, don't you? Yeah, you do. But it's only if it's one student. For them, it's just one voice and... So is that, I'm going to bring it back to something else actually. So last year in terms of the Black History Month, not the last year that's just passed, but the one that was um 2016, that created such a nationwide like amount of press that Kent stepped it up for the next year. So like you were saying, Katya, do you think it has to be a collective, like a large amount of students making a fuss for the university to actually do something? Yes, definitely. And I think because of what it is and because of lad culture and because of victim blaming, it is hard for a victim, sorry, for a survivor to come forward. It really is. And I think it's... The word needs to go across that this is going on and that people do need to get together and go towards the university, just survivors, non-survivors, and make it clear that this is a problem. But I think they know it's a problem, they're just again decide to sweep it under the rug this is why i think we have to force their hands i know it hasn't worked before <coughs> but in my mind so when when you did it it was kind of just you you were going for it and now this year there's you and then there's i've done it too and then hopefully next year there'll be more people and more people and more people and eventually they'll have to listen and hopefully that's what i would want anyway yeah um I haven't spoken much because I've just been listening to the experts in the room, but I did do a little bit of research. I have some stats to throw in, especially about systemic problems in universities and not reporting it and people not being trained. So of 104 universities that responded to a Guardian request, 39% said there was no training to staff on sexual misconduct, harassment, assault, rape, stalking, domestic violence, or any other form of gender violence. Only 27 universities reported that training on sexual misconduct was mandatory which is really quite low. And only 21% of the universities surveyed said that they had a designated point of contact within the actual university that had been trained. And the NUS wrote a hidden marks report. This is quite recent, the most recent I could find, 2017, which apparently is the first ever nationwide report into women's student experience of harassment, stalking, violence, and sexual assault. And what they've said is quite, is quite disturbing. One in seven women um, experienced sexual assault or physical assault during their time at university and 68% have been subject to verbal or physical sexual harassment as well and nearly one in four have experienced unwanted sexual contact and kind of leading in from those um, facts that and statistics that Dami has given us I kind of want to take us into the student shout out and um, I really want I would really love if you guys could provide us with um some resources or just general um, things that you feel that students specifically on our campus could benefit from if they have themselves experienced sexual assault or not anyone else who has experienced it 
or would like to get up in uh or would like to get involved in um making a stand and like what you guys are doing molly and catcher so please feel free to mention anything that you feel like the people listening would should benefit could benefit from okay um okay so um the we've had enough protest is this wednesday wednesday 28th two to four on the plaza and i would recommend everyone to come it's going to be hopefully a really positive event to help combat sexual assault on campus it's basically going to raise awareness it's going to bring students together in solidarity in a kind of safe supportive environment and hopefully going to make an impact on the union on the university make people take note that we're here that we've had enough and it can be really successful but we need as many people as possible to come so i'd encourage as many people listening to come and for the survivors out there that just want to keep it to themselves, self-care. Practice self-care as much as you can. That's all. I, that's the best advice I can give you. I would also say that if you need to, if you need to um, actually do something about it, then maybe talk to the women's officer, um, whoever it is. It might be me, or it might be someone else. I won't say any names. Um, or it, you can also talk to a respect the no, and we can bump it up to. Uh, who will be Omalade, the welfare hey. officer, um, and we can do quite a lot in order to help you if it's on campus. Um, otherwise, yeah, self-care. And if you do want to talk to people about it, there is also um, Kent Union have also set up a survivors forum, um, which happens monthly, I think. So it will be well, it will say on the website, but it's usually like meetings in Rutherford with other survivors, um, and you can like talk about your experience. It does also emphasise on um, not just like sexual assault that has happened, but like childhood sexual assault and like rape, just like all of that. Um, and yeah, there is also the nightline that you can call um, and like instant message or like email. Mm. Um, I wanted to throw out a few online resources I feel that could benefit anyone. So um, I don't, we didn't really get much into the topic of consent, but I feel like a very popular video that was going around, I think last year was the consent is tea video. Mm -hmm. So if you uh, are in a position of power, like in a society and you're having, you're trying to like encourage this discussion, I feel like that's something that is fairly simple. If you watch it, you will completely understand. If consent is tea, someone doesn't want tea, then they don't want tea. Um, so definitely look that up on YouTube. I also definitely recommend um, a podcast called Pink Matter. And I recently listened to their episode, episode 14, which is called Don't Tell Mum, where they talk about uh, their own personal experiences of sexual assault. So it's a, definitely a very frank episode. So again, I'm gonna issue another trigger warning, but um, they kind of mix it in with their own brand of comedy. And you kind of get this very interesting discussion as if you're just sitting there with a bunch of your friends talking about horrible acts but at the same time it's in my opinion i feel like it was uh just a relief to listen to so definitely listen to that if you do get the chance has anyone else got anything they would like to suggest yeah i mean i definitely agree Oops. yeah i definitely agree about the um pink matter podcast i was listening to it this morning and um some of the things that they were saying connected to me on a very personal level but also you do realize how much some people are actually going through and it was it was just like how blessing said it was like you were sitting with your friends and it was just talking to you and it, it was a nice um episode to l listen to but nice to listen to the stories that they were saying um another thing i would say is just um like we mentioned about resident support officers 
in Parkwood, um, Kings, Turing, definitely go to them if you do need someone to talk to. But they also have off-campus um, students as well who can um, speak to you about these things. And yeah. Okay. Well, we thank you guys for listening in this week. Um, we thank you guys for being our guests this yes, week. Um, we know okay. that we thank know this is a very us. heavy subject, and we actually would love to explore it further. So please listen out on our SoundCloud. We'll probably have another episode concerning this.